the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Good to see you today. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, if you want to join our conversation. There are so many things to talk about today, and we'll get to a lot of different things here on the program today. Do you ever get yelled at in public? Like, do you ever have somebody just come up to you and they're yelling at you for something and you can't quite figure it out sometimes because it's a little off or it's bizarre or you know it's one thing if you sort of uh, rear end somebody and you're Gary Busey driving on the uh, free, the highway but it's another thing if uh, you don't even get it and I'm thinking about this because uh one of the big stories in the news and I think we got to talk about this not so much because of the issue but because we've got to remember what happens when we when we leave our common sense behind and that is the masking issue is coming back are you ready to wear a mask well in Huntington Beach you're not the city council of Huntington Beach should take a stand against government imposing on individual liberties the city should ban broad universal mask and vaccine mandates by declaring the city to be a no mask no vaccine mandate city Yesterday, the that right there is Huntington Beach Mayor Pro Tem Gracie Vandermark at last night's Huntington Beach City Council meeting, where after 2 a.m., the council narrowly voted to pass her motion to ban universal mask and COVID-19 vaccine mandates within the city. Those who have tested positive, though, for COVID will still be required to wear masks in certain settings. All right, I stepped on uh, that reporter, Marla, Marla Taye. Is that how you say your name, uh, Wilbert? I think it's Taye. Uh, anyway, Mayor Pro Tem Gracie Vandermark in Huntington Beach, they met till almost three o'clock in the morning to discuss this issue. And they passed a declaration saying that we are not going to ban, we're not going to force people to wear masks in Huntington Beach. And uh, I'm curious, uh, I've got a story, a Huntington Beach story about getting yelled at. That's why I brought that up uh, during the COVID. I'm curious um, if you have changed your mind over time about the mask issue, meaning that you you were all in. Everybody's got to wear a mask. And now you're like, no, I don't think we should do that. Or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're like, you know what? I wasn't wearing a mask. I wasn't in. But now I think everybody should. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 if you want to join in the conversation here on the Pastor Scott Show. So I'm a little bit personally amused because of the Huntington Beach making this decision. Because if you remember during the COVID, I think it's important to remember how kind of crazy it got, how we treated each other. And, you know, at the beginning of all of that with the COVID, you kind of had to leave the benefit of the doubt to people who are researching. And remember, there was the follow the science. That's the thing, right? Follow the science, which, you know, in a crisis, in a crisis that is new, you've got to have some kind of guide, right, to to get through and lead. The problem is, is that when there is also a political narrative going on and then the science no longer agrees with that political narrative, 
uh, you still have to follow the science, and uh, that isn't what we have been doing. And we'll talk about that a little bit here. But uh, at the, you know, at the beginning of the COVID, there was a lot of worry. I remember uh, as a pastor of our church, you know, we were told by uh, health officials that we should be prepared for a lot of people to die in our church. All the old people are going to die, and the young people, their parents are going to die, and uh, your dog is going to die. It was just an unbelievable uh, you know, concern right off the bat there. But after a few weeks, everybody kind of noticed, uh, you know what, that wasn't happening, not anywhere near what they said. Well, people, whenever there was the mask mandate, remember, eventually, early on, you weren't supposed to wear a mask, it does nothing. Now, then, now you got to wear a mask. So people are wearing the mask everywhere. But eventually, when people stopped taking the, you know, stopped wearing the mask, or they said, eventually, you don't have to wear it outside. Still, some people would get yelled at. I got yelled at a couple of times. I remember the first time I got yelled at, I was at the beach. And I don't remember exactly when this was, but nobody had a mask on. And this lady starts shouting at me and the about not wearing a mask. And the weird part was, is I couldn't tell if she was shouting at me or not because she was a few steps away. She was social distancing, I guess. So I couldn't tell if she was just shouting at herself. She was talking to somebody on the phone. You know how that is with people and uh, or what? And finally, I said, I'm looking around trying to figure out who she's shouting at. And I look at her and finally, are you talking to me? And uh, you're talking to me? It's not how I said it, but I should have. And she says, yes. And I said, well, nobody's got a mask on out here. You don't have to wear it outside. And she just put her mask back on. It's funny. She took it off to yell at me. Uh, I got yelled at at a restaurant once. We were eating outside, like literally eating, and somebody pulled their car over to yell at us. So that was going on in uh, in San Diego. And I think that's driven because of the fear that was put out there. And I think when we think about this upcoming year, which I think is going to be chaos, I think with the 2024 election coming up and all of the stuff with the, the Trump trials and whatever we're going to say about the COVID, with Biden being old, with the pressure for Biden to get out, the pressure for Trump to get out, all there is going to be so much politics and crazy stuff. It's going to be a wild year. I think it's important that we pull back and we try to remember, number one, don't be afraid you know, use your common sense and really try to think things through. And some of that is we've got to remember how we lost it a little bit before. Now, I know that some of you are still terrified of COVID and uh, some of you, uh, you never worried about it enough, maybe, you know, and uh, because it's there are people who are getting it now. I know people who have it now. They're really sick. I don't know anybody who's died or that's in the hospital. I know there's some, uh, but, you know, I don't want it. I had it one time. In fact, a funny thing was at our church, we our rule ultimately was we want to respect everybody. I'm not going to make you wear a mask, but we're not going to tell you to take it off. And if you want to social distance, that's fine. If you want to sit by your friend, that's fine. You know, but we're going to respect each other. We're not going to have anybody pulling over and shouting at each other here at church. And that rule worked pretty good. Um, I got the most people didn't wear a mask. A few people did. Most people didn't. But I got COVID. And I mean, I was out. It was bad. And I missed one Sunday. The second Sunday, I was back in the pulpit. And the funny thing was, is that particular Sunday, almost everybody had a mask on. (laughs) I think people who never had worn a mask until then wore one that Sunday. And I remember looking out at everybody masked, and I thought, they're they're wearing this because they don't think I should be back yet. Uh, But I also thought to myself, you know what? These are people who have made their own decision. You know, these are people mostly who weren't wearing a mask to church before, and now I guess since the pastor got it, now we're going to, but you're allowed to make that decision on your own. I think we got to trust some people because I, I think if people start dropping dead sick or they're, they're dying or they're super sick everywhere, I think people will 
do whatever they can to, uh, you know, take care of themselves. I think that there's a level of trust that we've got to make for individuals in this and shouting at people doesn't work. Anyway, the point of this is that the shouting thing. So one of the things that we did as a family was we, we didn't want to be isolated and we didn't think that was good for our kids. We didn't think that was good for us. You know, we had some advantage. I had the real advantage because I was, um, at church, right? So I could do church stuff and I could leave and I was doing radio and I was out and about. And uh, so it didn't affect me personally the way it did a lot of people. And uh, the school that our kids are in, uh, we're blessed that they were in a, a private school and they were in school. So they missed the the spring of 2020. Um, they were, you know, it was online school, uh, but they were back in school full time in the classroom uh, that August, right? Long time before the public schools were back. And uh, that worked out just fine. So we we didn't hit we didn't have it. I think the the shutdown and all of that it it did cause some problems uh, for our kids, and we noticed that. And in particular, our kids caused some problems for us. But we we did our best to get out there, and uh, we got together with uh, two or three families in our small group on a regular basis, and we went to each other's homes, and we swam in the pools, and we we did stuff together. Uh, we went camping stuff. One of the things we learned is that other counties, we were in San Diego County at the time, that if you avoided San Diego or L.A. County, Orange County and Riverside County, for example, or Arizona, if you wanted to move to a free state, that's what my mother said, uh, you need to come out to Arizona because we're a free state. That's what she told me. And uh, she meant that. Uh, we, We would escape the county and the rules were a little bit less. Well, we went to Huntington Beach in the fall of 2021. And if you remember... Um, things were, there were still a lot of mask mandates. This was the height of the, the mandates for the vaccine, lots of stuff. We stayed in a hotel and that city was a little bit of the opposite of what we were expecting because we didn't get yelled at for not wearing a mask. Instead, there was this guy who was rude and obnoxious, but it was the opposite. He was yelling at people for wearing a mask and he was going from restaurant to restaurant you know, in that main drive, is it beach, whatever that street is, it's like a big deal in, in uh, Huntington Beach, restaurant to restaurant and shop to shop. And he would go in there and find you if you're wearing a mask and chew you out for wearing a mask, which also is completely rude. Just, but what I thought was, this is like bizarro land here from where we were coming from. This is the opposite world from where we're at. You know, we so it doesn't surprise me all that to say that Huntington Beach is one of the first to say, you know what, we are not going to participate. And a big part of it was because of the memory of how we went overboard. This is the Mayor Pro Tem Gracie Vandermark speaking about this uh, again. We had to go through a time here where we couldn't even go to our own beach because we had armed state troopers preventing us from going out. Do you remember that? That you were not there were places like the beach you couldn't go. Armed guards saying you can't go out there on the beach. There was a rumor at one point that said, you know what, the COVID is worse. I remember watching this on some news channel at some point. And my mother-in-law at the time, she's passed away. She went to go be with Jesus um, in 2022. But she was living with us at the time. And unfortunately, you know, she's got the news on all day. And that's terrifying. By the way, if you just watch the news all day, it's you got to get out. You got to watch something else. Go watch a sitcom or go watch something funny or get out of the house. Uh, because whatever channel you're watching, it's just bad. And during the COVID, it was fear, 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 fear. 
And uh, we went to the beach one time to watch the uh, bioluminescence, which I guess is going on right now. You know where the waves are glowing, and if you, it doesn't happen at every beach. So it's at a few different places. It's some kind of chemical reaction that happens occasionally, and uh, it's an amazing thing to see if you get to see that. Uh, I highly recommend going out and checking it out. We did that. I got a great spot, like, right on the beach, and I was – we were in a, a van, and uh, my mother-in-law had to stay in the van. Uh, just might not have been safe for her to walk out on the beach, so she's in the van. But I'm out there with the kids, and we're enjoying that. I get back in the van, and I notice that she's sitting in the back terrified. Not the very back, but the middle seats. We don't throw grandma in the back seat, you know, in the van. And uh, I said, what's the matter? And uh, she remembered from like a year before, one day's news report that said that the COVID virus is hovering over the beach, and the worst place you can go is out by the water. And she was just terrified that she was going to get it. I thought, we cannot go back to that. You know, we've got to be wise. We don't want to be you know, ignoring the fact that, that, especially if you're an older person, you know, this can be something that's really bad for you or if you had comorbidities. But, you know, what we knew about who this was really hitting pretty quick. So Huntington Beach uh, mayor continues. What we saw happening was very close to tyrannical and the community's worried and we figured let's take a stance right now. Just to clarify, though, uh, individual businesses under your motion would still would be exempt. Individual businesses can make their own decisions. If they want to require masks, vaccine cards, whatever they want, it's up to them. However, there were many businesses who did not want to make those requirements and they were forced to or else they were being shut down. We're in a very different spot, aren't we, than we were before. I don't know how this is going to play out and I'm not sure. There's certainly a political element uh, to it, I think. And I think that there is a, a, a sense of fear that is still there that many people have. And, uh, you know, I think if you got COVID or if you lost a loved one to COVID, you probably feel that a lot more than maybe some other people. And I think that's normal. But how do we navigate this in a way where the government isn't causing us to not be able to do things that we should be able to do? And, you know, where I'm coming from really is I think adults can figure this out, but kids on the other hand, it's another thing. I mean, we were insane with the kids, completely insane, forcing kids to wear masks all day in school, especially the little kids. We had a preschool at our church, so I had to oversee that, and it was crazy. And one of the things that is something that we should notice, that we've got to realize, is that the science doesn't agree on certain things, and it has gone back and forth, and one of the areas where I think we're hurting uh, as a community and as a, a country, is we don't trust the experts on this, right? Many people do, but many people don't. And that is bad because either the experts are right and we should be paying attention to them or they're wrong and we shouldn't be considering them the experts. We got to fix it. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, Donna and Orange, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes. Hi. Good afternoon. Good hi, afternoon. Um, thank you. You know, I, I can't believe that they're considering uh, bringing this mandate back again. Uh, when it was being enforced, I, I didn't wear it. I didn't wear. I did not wear the mask, and uh, I got some hard looks from my neighbors, people in the neighborhood. I, I got some hard looks from them, and I didn't take the vaccine. I didn't get sick. I never, I never came down uh, with the virus, uh, thank God. But um, 
you know, they're they're propagating fear to control everyone. And uh, in the beginning, Fauci himself said that the mask was wasn't any good, that it didn't prevent anything. And, uh, you know, he took those words back and uh, went along with uh, enforcing the the mask. There's a history of Uh, inconsistency, and that is a lot of the problem, right? That's what breaks down trust, is that you can can change your policy, and I think do it in a way that maintains trust. But here's what you have to do. You have to say, we were incorrect before, now we believe this to be the truth. You have to acknowledge that previous things that were said uh, were not said. You can't go back and defend it or hold on to positions that you have. And this is true with any subject in our life, right, is that we're going to do much better as people if we acknowledge where we were wrong, if we acknowledge or if we acknowledge that, hey, there's a new set of facts that have changed my opinion about whatever it is. We've got to be a society that's open to that. So you believe that it works? Do I believe that it works? What, what I think is that the studies are saying overwhelmingly that most of the masks don't work and, uh, for containing the coronavirus. Um, and, right. if you, and if you read the CDC and other guidelines today, they will tell you pretty clearly that you've got to wear an N95 mask and you've got to wear it correctly for it to have an effect. And that's very different than it was uh, in all these mask mandates. Uh, because it was basically, you know, people were putting any cloth over their face. You know, we, it was, it was uh, uh, a very interesting thing, right? People wearing all the bandanas and stuff, and and uh, you go into the, the gas station, and you thought it was being robbed. But it was just people uh, wearing their bandana over their mouth. You had no idea. Uh, Donna, thanks for your call on that. Uh, you know, it, it's something that I think one of what we really have to demand, I think, from our leaders is reasonableness. And acknowledging the best information we have and going with it, even if it contradicts something that we did before. And that is something that I think we are lacking in a society, is a certain amount of humility to say that we were wrong before. Uh, A certain amount of restructuring the past to put it in a light that says, well, we were mostly right. And I think that is another thing that hurts the the trust, particularly in the health area. You know, an interesting thing that's happening in Washington is is Jill Biden has the COVID and she's doing fine and that's good. Um, and they've been wondering, you know, is President Biden going to get it? And they should be worried. He's 80. He's in an age group where it's a much bigger deal, right? Um, but here's what I find interesting. There is let me play a couple of clips. And this is the conversation that's going on at the White House about COVID and masking for President Biden. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre. The president tested negative for COVID-19 this morning. Following negative tests on Monday night and also yesterday, he is not experiencing any symptoms, which of course is a good thing. The first lady is doing well as well, and she remains in Delaware, which is also a good thing. The CDC guidelines recommend, as I said before, as you all know, a combination of masking, testing, and monitoring for symptoms. The president is doing all that he can, of course, in consultation with the, with his physician, and so he's keeping uh, keeping with the CDC guide, guidelines. As you now, the best part of all of that, other than uh, giving you some, uh, you know, some. From- concern about what year it is. It's not 2021, it's 2023, is I don't think President Biden personally buys this. Like, I think he's going along with it for whatever reason, but 
So Corinne Jean-Pierre, his spokesperson, keeps talking about this, and she's getting grilled by the press. Maybe we'll play some of those clips. But the president has been seen taking off his mask at different times, not wearing it. He's supposed to wear it everywhere, That's and we're going to follow the guidelines. And then he walks into a room at the White House in front of the press yesterday. Everybody's standing there, and he's not wearing the mask, and he says this. Hello, everybody. Let me explain to the press. I've been tested again today. I'm clear across the board. But they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something, I got to keep wearing it. But don't tell them I didn't have it on when I walked in. See, he walks in, he's not wearing it. And he says, hey, you know what? I tested negative and they keep telling me I got to wear it. It's got to be 10 days or something. It's his own CDC. And he's like, but don't tell anybody I'm not wearing it. See, I don't think he buys it. What he just said, I think that's what, what most of us do with it. And he's at, he's at a place where, you know, certainly if there's a person at risk, an age group at risk, and a, a person in the country who you don't want to get sick, it's the president. And uh, he's just uh, like, yeah, yeah, well, don't tell anybody. Hello, everybody. Let me explain to the press. I've been tested again today. I'm clear across the board. But they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something. I got to keep wearing it, but don't tell them I didn't have it on when I walked in. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that's funny. You know, they tell me uh, 10 days or something, but, uh, you know, uh, just uh, you know, don't tell anybody. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. Yeah. 888-528-2557. Rachel in Orange County, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good afternoon. Hi, Rachel. So, um, hi, just a couple things on that. Um, longtime HB resident. Um, and, uh, you know, there for the, all the riots and the mandates and whatnot. Um, I was really, I was really glad to hear the little blip on the news about Huntington beach, um, taking a stand against that. Um, we do get a lot of, uh, bad, you know, um, feedback from people uh, about Huntington beach is, you know, racist and, uh, you know, defiant and. Well, that's what uh, happened we, back we, then, right? Is anybody who sort of went against, whatever California's policies were. Yeah. Um, you know, the way and, uh, things have gone is that you're called names. Even has, has nothing to do with race. Well, yes. And, you know, and, and, but there was a lot, I would say even through all that, um, being a, on the Huntington beach community forum, the voice, um, I, the, you know, the senses out there that it, it was mixed. There was plenty of people in Huntington that were all for, uh, mandates oh, yeah. and uh, yeah. shots and whatnot. It, it was pretty much split, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it wasn't all of Huntington Beach, but I, I got to say those four people, you know, we call them the Fab Four now. Um, I, I'm so grateful that they, it was, it was just nothing short of a miracle that they, they all had to get in. Yeah. All four of them had to get in. If one of them, you know, didn't get voted in, then it would have just messed up. Well, it up. was four to three, right? So Huntington Beach is still divided about this. But the uh, yeah. And i got to go to a break, Rachel. I appreciate your call. You know, part of the argument against what they did was, hey, no one's saying that there's a mandate right now, right? We don't have the mandates. And that's true, it, that there are a few places, individual places, and I doubt that we're going to do this because I think Gavin Newsom's running for president, so he doesn't want to do it probably. I don't know that there's the political will. But it's definitely in the air. 
And that's why I think you can't be flat-footed on this, and that's what Huntington Beach uh, decided. i got to take a break. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. When we get back, talk a little bit more about the uh, confusion about this and uh, why it's important to get on the right page. Jonathan, I see your call, and others uh, will be back as the Thursday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Let me... But he does not seem to be responding to the data. I'll say this, and you're talking about schools. Um, CDC, they're the experts. They're, they use science. Uh, to come to to come forward with their guidelines, and it is important that we allow them to do their work. And we believe that we are in a different place. And all you got to do is look around, look around to where we are today and where we are when we first started in this administration. That's Karine Jean Pierre, who was being questioned about the inconsistencies in the data and why they are making the president and uh, stick to uh, some CDC guidelines that even the CDC is. Uh, wishy-washy about. And uh, the president uh, been taken off his mask. And I don't know if it's another, it's another story, but he, he inexplicably walked out of a Medal of Honor ceremony yesterday where he took off his mask earlier in it and then he wasn't wearing it. And then uh, after he salutes the guy, he walks out. And everyone, you see everybody, it's an amazing thing to watch. Everyone's like, where are you going, Mr. Because it wasn't over yet. They had to pray and do some other stuff. The White House came out and said, oh, he was just trying to be careful because of his COVID exposure. But people aren't really buying that. But the thing is, is I don't think that uh, if that's true, by the way, if the White House version of that is true, then it would be in the schedule. No one would have been surprised uh, at that. They probably would have announced it. Hey, uh, the president, just so you think, don't think it's weird, the president's going to leave uh, early because of his COVID exposure. Uh, they didn't do any of that. But regardless of what it is, the thing that Corinne Jean-Pierre says there is uh, they're the experts and uh, they use the science. But the science is something that has changed and does not agree. And this is that right there is the reason that we're going to have trouble trusting here. And I'll tell you what, one of the other pieces that's a big deal is what happens in the next pandemic if it's much worse? What happens when the next one comes? Or what if this COVID variant is, in fact, dramatically worse for some reason? Uh, people aren't going to believe it. People are, you know, what if people do have to mask or stay home or or do something? The problem with all of this is that, gosh, you know, if it got really bad for real, we're we're going to miss it. It's called crying wolf. It's a thing, and governments do it too. 888-528-2557. Jonathan and La Mirada, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, Pastor Scott. It's, it's an honor to speak to you, and I love the show. It's really uh, eye-opening. It's a great uh, show to have uh you know, from a Christian perspective. Thank and, you. Um, yeah. So my my comment is, is that what I believe about the last uh, three years uh, with the pandemic and everything, it's, it's actually put more people that are anti-Semitic in power, like Canada, California. Well, uh, what does it have to do and, with, with it, anti-Semitism? Well, it... It's to make it's to give power to the left. Uh, that's what it was. That's all it was. It was to get people that were more uh, left wing in power, and people that say don't wear the mask, they say, oh, you're a MAGA person. You're right away. They're right away. Well, it's definitely a political right and left. I'm not sure why 
and for sure, anti-Semitism is is rising, and you find it on the left, but you also find it on the right. You know, I get emails from people on both sides, and you go, I can't believe you're into this. But you think right now this has a lot to do with uh, power and not safety. Yeah, but I'm not worried about a few groups in North Carolina. I'm more worried about all these people burning down cities in our main cities, you know. Yeah, well, hopefully we're not headed back to something like that uh, with all this. And in the division we have and the way that uh, – and thank you for calling, Jonathan – the way that people leverage other things, like uh, our last call, I think it was Rachel from Huntington Beach, talked about how when people protested against the mandates, they were called racists. And the interesting thing I thought about that was like, well, there's people from all kinds of backgrounds and races in that same protest. So, you know, but we are at a place where the way people leverage power, this typically comes from the left, but there are examples from the right, is that if you lose the argument or you don't have a really good argument, then you throw down your racist, you're a homophobe, you are, you're anti-Semitic or you're whatever it is. And it may have nothing to do with that. Uh, I don't want to miss the the point here it's it's not what we're talking about but but don't don't think that anti-semitism is not growing or that it's not on the left and the right just be careful about that because i think and i think there's something spiritual to that that the the approach to it's different on the left and the right uh i remember at the uh we did an event a few months ago called ask a jew ask a gentile with dennis prager and if you were at that event one of the things that he did at the end of the 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 show, and I, I've not asked him about this, and I would like to actually, is he said, how many of you think that anti-Semitism is growing? And almost everybody put their hand up. There's a thousand people there. And then he said, how many of you think it's coming from the left? And uh, a lot of people put their hand up, probably more in that audience put their hand up. He said, how many of you think it's coming from the right? And quite a few people put their hand up. And he said, that's really interesting. And it, it was sort of off topic, but I thought, and we went another direction, but I thought it's interesting to me that he asked that and that the audience was somewhat divided, maybe 70-30, about whether it's left and right. And just it's just, I think, important from a Christian perspective to realize th- this, that anti-Semitism is something that's growing worldwide, and it's not bound to one side or the other, and we have to be against it at all costs. This is Pastor Scott. Show number is 888-528-2557. Don in Santa Monica, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Scott. I'm, uh, I'm not sure. I don't agree with you about that definition of anti-Semitism, but the reason you, I call You don't agree is, with what? Well, uh, you know, to say the, the left is not anti-Semitism. They're, they're, an, they're anti-Israel's policies toward the Palestinians. It's a different, very different well, that's thing. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about I'm talking about very distinct uh, anti-Jew comments and uh, movements that are on the left and the right. But uh, go ahead. I know that's not what you called about. Well, anyway, um, in regards to the mask mandate, um, my understanding going way back was that the masks were never intended to be a foolproof protection against the virus. In fact, the reason that you were supposed to wear them is to protect other people. And my understanding was that... um, COVID was not like Ebola or something that would just, you know, really kill you outright. But it was deadly enough to be a real problem. It was easily spread by um, expiration, by, you know, know, air. And so um, the the, the masks were designed, wearing the mask was designed to keep you from 
ejecting a big plume of COVID. Yeah, I'm, uh, through I'm almost out of time shouting. for a break, Don, here, but uh, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it turned into something else that has divided us on this subject. And I, I, think, I think it's the <laughs> mandates that did that, right, and the way that people yelled at each other uh, for their different opinions on that. Uh, appreciate your call, Don. I got to go to a break here in a second, and uh, we are going to change subjects. So, Jose, I see your call on there, and I uh, won't get to it uh, here. But you can call back tomorrow. Tomorrow we do open line Fridays. We'll talk about anything you want. Hey, you know something else that uh, we're going to talk about here in a moment? I've got a guest coming on. His name is Frank Long, and uh, he's a businessman who's a Christian in the business place. And you know, if you're a Christian and you work somewhere, uh, especially if you're in management or you're working for a company that's owned by Christians, you know, how do you bring your faith into the workplace? that is a way that's that's real. It's not just a poster on the wall, but is actually true relationally. We're going to talk about that as we have Frank Long joining us here in the next segment. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. You know, something I like to point out a lot, and I think this is super important to point out a lot for us to realize, not just academically, but practically, that the church is not a building or an address. It's us. And that means that wherever we work, that's actually church for the people who are around us because the temple of the Holy Spirit is us and everyone we deal with. And that should be a good reminder about that. And, you know, for many of you out there, you bring this understanding into the place that you work. With me is Frank Long. He is the general manager of Chisholm Brothers Painting in San Diego. And uh, they're glad to be a very highly rated painting company in San Diego. They've been there for over 40 years, but also they're very open about their Christian faith and what that means in business. Frank, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate being here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Frank, tell us about yourself. You know, how did you end up in the painting business? <laughs> well, I ended up in the painting business. I had left uh, managing and some other industries, and I was doing some painting. I was doing some murals and then started painting houses a little bit with a friend of mine. And uh, I was looking for more work, and I walked into Chisholm Brothers one day with an application. It was just an errand on my list. And Mike Chisholm and I got a chance to talk. And he thought that I would not necessarily be a career professional painter, but that maybe I offered something else that he was looking for. And so we began to work together, and I began uh, helping him manage the business. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's helpful when people point you in the right direction, right, when you meet yes. them and, uh, and, and that happens. Yep. Uh, you, when you came into Chisholm Brothers and that, was there any understanding at the beginning that uh, you're a Christian and that he's a Christian? Uh, was that any part of the conversation? Typically, that's not part of a job interview. Correct. There actually was because I had tried to put together a resume of painting history, and mm. uh, it wasn't long enough to fill the page. So I added on some of my management experience and also my education, which I graduated from Christian Heritage College here in San Diego many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I put that down there, and one thing led to another in discussion. And being a man of faith that Michael is, and myself being a man of faith, we began to connect on that and my other experience as a manager. So we, we began to talk about what my role there might eventually be and what he needed, what I needed, etc., you know, that's an interesting thing because you actually can't in a regular job interview, you know, unless you're a church, 
or a specific Christian company or religious company. You can't talk about faith, but you can if it comes up in that sort of way. And maybe the Lord led you for that very reason to put that stuff on your resume. Yes. And, you know, when I went home that day, I spoke with my wife and I said, hey, I dropped off this resume. I got a chance to speak with Michael Chisholm. And I'm not sure what God is doing exactly, but I think God's doing something with Chisholm Brothers and me. So uh, that was where we started. Yeah, you know, and I think that sense of it right there when we're talking about bringing our faith into work is we have to ask, what is God doing with me at this employer, right? Mm -hmm. What is it? There's something more than just a job and a paycheck. Right. And when you think about how much time we all spend at our jobs, in our careers, and to think that we want to set aside our Christianity for that important, large asset of time and life that we have, it doesn't make sense. And so we've we've got to find a way to become intentional and practical with our faith at work, even in the times we live in. I think that's absolutely right. So you, you started working for Chisholm Brothers, and uh, how does your faith play out then in the workplace? So you, you got the job, obviously, or you got some, did you start as general manager or did you work your way up a little bit? You know, I worked in the field for a couple of months. I rode with estimators, and then I asked for a table and a computer and uh, began sort of uh, chipping away at my knowledge of the company and working with people and working with projects. I, I kind of knew what to do. If I could learn who the people were and what we were doing there, I, I knew what to do. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, when we talk about this concept of the idea that wherever you work, you know, you're a Christian, you represent Christ in whatever you do, you know, it's still a business. You still mm-hmm. have to paint well. Otherwise, no, you're not going to be a business very long. That's right. So it matters. I think that makes it very practical when we think about the workplace to do everything as unto the Lord. Yeah, I think the first level as a Christian, of course, when we're in the workplace, whether we own a business, whether we manage, whether we paint, whether we sweep, the first level is to do a great job, to do our work in an excellent fashion and to treat people as we know we should treat people. And then beyond that, I think that the next level is to begin to be more intentional about our conversations, uh, our listening, uh, opportunities to come alongside and encourage people and bring out the best in people and so on. And then beyond that, there are opportunities that people offer us to come alongside them where we can offer them our faith and the God that we serve when they're ready on their terms. And there is a place for that. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I think that this is a a really big deal for the subject of our faith in the workplace. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Frank Long. He's the general manager of Chisholm Brothers Painting in San Diego. You can find them at chismbrothers.com, C-H-I-S-M brothers.com. Frank, uh, we're talking about faith playing out in the workplace and how you feel that God led you there and you had this great conversation with the owner when you got hired. What are some practical stories? Do you have any stories of, of how this has played out where you were able to share your faith or help somebody in the name of Christ at your workplace? Yeah, I can think of a, a, a young man, a young a guy who had a family, young children, and um, he was an absolute terrific painter a wonderful personality, great with our customers. He, he was really everything that we're hoping to find in a, in a foreman, which we call project managers. And one of my other senior foremen called me one day and he said, hey, I'm, I'm sending this guy to you today because I realized when I was working with him earlier that he's very distraught, very despondent. 
unable to really work. He's got some family issues, and uh, he had actually already taken the time to talk to him and pray with him there. And uh, he said, but I'm sending him to you. So I invited the gentleman in at the office. I again sat with him, listened to him. He had made some mistakes in his personal life. And, you know, God had already done the hard work. This man was broken and he needed some solution. He needed some some encouragement and a path to uh, to fix it. And so we talked about it. I prayed with him. We gave him a little time off so that he could reconnect with his family and, and make some corrective steps. And he did that. And then he rejoined us. And over time, he needed to make some more long-term changes. And we hated to lose him. But after a while, I knew that it was not my job to try to keep him, that the Lord had him. It was going to move him in a different direction. And, and, you know, who's I to keep somebody here when God wanted him somewhere else, actually? So he did lose a great painter. But I think he gained a different direction in life that we could all appreciate. Frank, that's a great perspective because... The thing I think that, you know, one day when you meet Jesus, I don't know how many things he's going to ask you about, but if if you really get into different things, he might ask you about this person, and he's not going to say, why didn't you keep him as a painter? Mm-hmm. He's he's going to say, right. let's talk about how you responded to what he was going through in life, because that's what matters. That's what ultimately matters, and I think that's great, and that's that, I think, is the nature of a Christian company like Chisholm Brothers is, yeah. is that it's more than just the work. It's about the relationships with the employees and even with the clients. right. Exactly. Uh, You know, that's a very organic approach. You know, we can sponsor things, we can give money, we can go to events as Christians, but this is a very organic and real-time way that we can connect with people and serve them for the Lord in their best interest, not necessarily just ours. Yeah. I think that's something that people can apply wherever they are in business that, that matters so, so greatly. Uh, how your faith plays out in the workplace, that that's really why you're there. I believe that God you know, brought that young man to your office for that reason, to your company. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Frank Long. He is the general manager of Chisholm Brothers Painting in San Diego. Let's talk about uh, doing the work. So something that uh, mm-hmm. your company has a great reputation, and I think that's fantastic. And that's something, though, that also speaks to your commitment, not just to good work, but also to Christ as a company. How does that play out on a regular, you know, you can't, obviously, a lot of the people who work for you aren't Christians necessarily, but there's an ethos that's created by that. Do the people who work for you, do they feel that? Is it something that is understandable even by those who don't know the Lord? When we look for people and when we invite people to interview, we are looking for some someone who has the potential to maintain those standards, uh, even though, it, of course, it's not a requirement to be a Christian to work at Chisholm Brothers, but yeah. um, the standards internally are built on that. And we're looking for people who we believe will represent that well no matter whether they are Christian or not, or become a Christian or not. We have sort of a two-point outline, character and craftsmanship, and you'll see that on our website. We have a big uh, sign in the office that has it. And uh, so we, in interviews, I talk a lot about character and craftsmanship, and I, I invite people to define what they believe those things are. I invite them to tell me where they got their character from, what source. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that some people aren't able to define character as well. Others are, and they know exactly where they got it. And you'd be amazed to know that 
it's not uncommon for someone to say, well, um, I got good character because I grew up in a Christian home or because I got it from church or my grandma raised me and uh, she was a devout Christian and and so that's where I got my good character. And then it opens the door to talk about those things. That is such a good way to do that character and craftsmanship and just very simple, very simple yep. way uh, to do that. And that can be done everywhere. It, when you're telling me that, I'm thinking, you know, Jesus was a, uh, you <laughs> know, he was a carpenter, right? Right. You know, he was a builder. I don't know if they painted things. They had paint back then. They must have painted. So Jesus, his tables must have been pretty good, whatever he made as I'm, a carpenter. I would right? love to have owned one of those tables. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some funny stories about uh, things they think survived that Jesus made, like it's got his initials in it, JC, or something. <laughs> like we don't, we don't know, but uh, that must have been an ethic that is very Christ-like, and we can certainly put that in our own companies. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Frank Long. He's from Chisholm Brothers Paint in San Diego. You know, before we go, I want to make sure that people can connect with you at Chisholm Brothers Painting in San Diego. What kinds of work do you guys do? Is it just residential? You do everything, right? You do residential, you do companies, schools, churches. Yep, we do mostly historically and currently residential repaints. We do a little new construction. We have some great contractors we've worked with for years. We also do a little light commercial, which is those smaller businesses, some big. We actually would like to do more big commercial but we do small projects. We'll go out for one day and paint uh, whatever we can do for you in one day. And we'll, we'll also take on huge projects that'll keep us there for months. You've probably come across some projects that were maybe a lot bigger than what was initially said to you. Yes. Have you had that issue where you go to a house and oh, you're yeah. like, oh, it's an easy job. It'll take you one day. And you look at it and you're like, no, this is a month. Yes. And uh, sometimes people have us come out for a few days and as we're there and as they see our work, they invite us to keep going. And uh, so our poor schedule is trying to get that painter, you know, scheduled somewhere else. But the customer we're with sees fit to keep us there for a while while they've got us. Yeah. Well, that's also something that you want, right? Absolutely. So I, I, I think that says a lot about your work. What's the best way if somebody's listening and they're saying, well, it's time to paint the house, time to get it done now before uh, the rainy season or because maybe the rainy season made everything peel or whatever's going on. How do mm -hmm. people get in touch with you? Well, they can go on uh, chismbrothers.com and request an estimate that we'll call them back and review their project and schedule, have somebody look at it, and uh, then we'll be happy to, uh, to paint for them. All right. So the way that they do it is they go to chismbrothers.com, C-H-I-S-M brothers.com. And the phone number is 858-454-3850, 858-454-3850. Frank, anything else you want to leave with us before you go? Yes. I just want to invite people to trust us with your painting and to trust Jesus with your life. And you know, and that's the essence right there of a Christian company. I think everybody listening can uh, take that to heart in whatever it is you do. Even if you're at a company where you're not the boss or it's not a Christian company, you're a Christian, you work with people, and God is going to send people into your life the same way that they have here for Frank at Chisholm Brothers Painting. Frank Long, thanks for joining me today on the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you. Once again, Chisholm Brothers Painting. They're highly recommended. You can check them out. They're uh, almost five stars on Google with lots of reviews. ChismBrothers.com, C-H-I-S-M Brothers.com. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.